Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. And we're back for another beautiful episode of Box Office Avengers. I'm particularly happy about this episode, Matt. Tell the people why. Start us off. Episode 173. What are we doing? Get get me to be part of your world. Oh, God. Oh, we're already there. <laughs> <laughs> already starting with the puns. Uh, we are going under the sea. And you poor, unfortunate souls will be listening to us uh, just talk about The Little Mermaid, the live-action Little Mermaid, yes. so to speak, uh, starring Haley Bailey. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Jonah Howard King. Howard King, yeah. Uh, Jonah Howard King, Melissa McCarthy, David, 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 David Diggs. David Diggs. David Diggs. I'm not off to a great start. Aquafina, Jacob Tremblay, and Tremblay. Javier Bardem. You see, this is why you're here, Ernesto. You're here to set me hey, straight. But it's okay. But not only. <laughs> Also yes. directed by Rob Marshall, uh, written by Dave McGee. Um, but not only are we reviewing the live-action Little Mermaid, we have a special guest, sir. We have my very special friend, Brian Fox, sir, who we did our – and ironically enough, we did our Disney college program together. Yes. And here we are reviewing we did. reviewing the Dis- Disney's The Little Mermaid, sir. Thank you so much for having you back. So glad to have you back. Uh, so good to see you. You look great. Thank you. You both of you gentlemen look great as well. Uh, it has been about three years since we've done one of these together, uh, since the last time I was a guest. So it is good to be back after a lot's happened in the last yeah. three years. So yeah, you, you yeah, said yeah. that you said you had two children in the mix of we. I did, we did this again. Yeah. I did. He uh, sure did. You know, I guess maybe you could call them pandemic babies or whatever the term is. But yeah, certainly, uh, I think our last time we recorded was sometime in the summer of 2020 when we did an Artemis Fowl review. And uh, I have had two whole kids additional to the child I already had. Mm -hmm. And I got married in that time. Congratulations, sir. Congratulations. Quite a time for me. Uh, Things going great. Chaotic, of course, as Ernesto knows. With yes. a large family, but yes. it is great nonetheless. <laughs> it is it is pretty awesome. Like like you know, having a lot of kids is hard, but it's like the hardest, most valuable thing you'll ever do. Like it's it's so rewarding yet so challenging. <laughs> it is the definition of a roller coaster for sure. Yes, yeah. yes this is great. I am I am on cloud nine. This is great. I got kids. I have a family. Life yeah. is so wonderful. And then, you know, they just, they go feral real quick. And they're like, it's it's that witching hour. It's bedtime. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is challenging, but it's good. Well, look, we're, we're glad to have you back onto the show. Like you said, it's been a while. And Ernesto, if I remember correctly, you said Brian was the one that got you into 
Hamilton or musicals or what? What's the story there? He got me into Lin Manuel Miranda. He introduced okay. me to Lin Manuel Miranda within the Heights, and then it just kind of it just kind of grew from there. Um, well, to be and- fair, Ernesto and I met uh, in 2008 when In the Heights was first a thing. Mm-hmm. So when we first became friends and we were doing our Disney College program. I was like always trying to like white rap the songs from In the Heights. He would. And Ernesto, was like, what? <laughs> Ernesto was like, "What? What is? What is this? What is happening?" And so you know, that was just kind of like that alchemy of timing where it was the hot new thing at the time that Ernesto and I became friends. So yeah, I I do think that I was probably one of the first people to introduce you to it. You no, you definitely were. Like every time I even listen to Lin Manuel Miranda, like I'm reminded like. That you like that you introduced me to him and like you know I've seen his show I went and saw it in Tampa I went and saw it in New York like I mean I, I fuck he's great like <laughs> he's a, he's just a, <laughs> he's just a great creator um, and then you know we're gonna talk about Little Mermaid later on yeah I'm about to say I yeah, guess it's absolutely. fitting that we have you know between the Little Mermaid live action adaptation and Lim Wenmel's Lim Manuel Miranda's involvement in it, it's almost fitting that we have Brand a uh, what Brand sorry Brian on the show. Um, to talk about all this stuff. Uh, like Ernesto mentioned, uh, directed by Rob Marshall, who is also responsible for Mary Poppins Returns, Into the Woods, Chicago, and Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tide. So he is uh, no stranger to the Disney family, mm-hmm. as well as written by David McGee, who also wrote uh, Mary Poppins Returns, The Life of Pi, and most recently A Man Called Otto, and the Netflix film The School of good and evil um and also we're gonna be talking a lot about the music that's in the little mermaid uh songs music and score from original composer alan Menken, the disney king himself if you've heard any great disney song it's probably from alan Menken. um original lyrics from uh howard ashman who passed away sadly in 1991 but he's responsible for the songs you heard in the little mermaid aladdin and beauty and the beasts and so we're gonna be talking about his work as well and like we mentioned before it's produced and new lyrics was provided by Lin-Manuel Miranda and he's also responsible for adding three additional songs to the movie which we will be diving into Ernesto <laughs> later into <laughs> <laughs> all of that we're going to be diving into all of that as well but first we're going to be uh, kind of I guess again I always refer to David because he said he loved this part of the show uh, we're going to be skipping entertainment news because not much happened this week so we're going to be diving right into a fun thing we like to call what you're watching we talk about the most recent movies and TV shows we've been watching so Brian you are a guest we'll start with you what have you been watching well my wife and I just finished the second season of Yellow Jackets which Ooh. I oh. love um so that is, what is that kind of like a little sad now that it's over because um, it's a really fun one to like wait for every week. Um, what is it about? Well, let me just tell you, it is batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, Yellow Jackets. So the title comes from uh, the main characters of the series are um, they start as a, a group of high school soccer, they're a high school soccer team, and their mascot is the Yellow Jackets. Um, so that's where the title comes from. Um, but basically, they're on their way to some sort of tournament or competition. I can't remember exactly where they are flying to, because that was like literally the first episode. But uh, it starts in 1996, and the plane that is carrying the team crashes in the wilderness in like the mountains maybe in canada 
I don't know. It's very remote, uh, very hard winters. Um, and then it's basically, they kind of like right off the bat kind of allude to the fact that these people are going to basically break into tribes, go a little crazy. There might even be some cannibalism. Um, but then you also <laughs> see the present day, which is like 25 years or 25 plus years later, where they're all adults and they're kind of dealing with the trauma of the things that happened in the wilderness. Um, it's very pulpy. It's very stylized. Um, it's very funny, but in a very dark way. Like the humor is very, it's very dark humor. Um, I love it personally. Like uh, it's a very buzzy kind of like hip show, so to speak. Like it definitely made a, a huge impression in season one and was like pretty quickly renewed. Um, it, it's definitely one of those shows, like once it ends, if it ever ends, cause you know, Showtime likes to keep their shows on way longer than they usually need to be. So we'll see if that's the case with this show. Um, but I do think they got the season three renewal, but of course the writer's strike, they worked for like one day on it and now their, mm -hmm. their work is paused. So, um, but the second season just finished last, last week was the last episode. And it's just, it's, it's, I, I hesitate to say that it is fun because it's really dark at times and there's just some really effed up shit that happens. Um, but it is a blast to watch if that makes any sense. And my phone will buzz because I have Showtime through Apple TV and my phone will buzz and say, a new episode is available of Yellow Jackets. And I literally will be like, babe, it's ready. And we'll fire it up <laughs> as soon as it comes on. <laughs> so that's a show that we watched to get, we watched together. Um, so that's nice too, because it's kind of appointment viewing for my wife and I. Um, so yeah, high recommendation on that one. It is, there's a lot of barriers to entry for a lot of people, I'm sure, like, there's some stuff that happens where people are just going to be like, nope, I'm out. And I totally get it. But uh, it's not a perfect show, but it's perfect for me. I love it. It's super fun. The needle drops are also amazing. It has an incredible soundtrack of like mostly 90s kind of indie hits and other things. And they have a Spotify playlist that's, you know, the official songs that have been utilized in the show. Uh, and it, it just slaps. It's great. It's such a good show. Um what else am I watching? Last night, I watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Not the first mm. time, but I rewatched it because I'm getting hype for Dial of Destiny. Of course. Um, and then what else? Um, we're also watching Platonic on Apple TV+. Plus. Mm. The new Seth Rogen, Rose Byrne. They're like the leads. Um, yeah. And it's directed by Nick Stoller, who did Neighbors and a bunch of other comedy films. Yeah, I'm interested in that um, it is quite delightful. Uh, it's just a nice, breezy, 30-minute show. Like, you don't have to think about it too much, but it is, like, a nice premise where it doesn't seem like it's going to veer into that romantic comedy direction. Like, it literally just is about a male and female friendship picking up after several years of not really being in each other's lives. Um, uh, Rose Byrne is, is the lead, and, and she's married and happily married, and they have kids, and it's not about anything like, oh, like, they're gonna, she's gonna fall in love with Seth Rogen, and their friendship is gonna become more, like, no, it's really just about, like, adults being friends, and I'm finding that very refreshing, and just a little bit of a different flavor than you would see in those, kind of, that kind of comedy show. Um, I wouldn't say it's, like, amazing, but I'm really enjoying it. It's just, like, it goes down easy, you crack open a beer, and it's a nice little 30-minute diversion mm. um, before bed. 
Um, there's only been like three or four. Ep- I think they just released like the fourth episode because they dropped the first three at once. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But it's good. I mean, I recommend it. It's definitely in the glut of shows that are, you know, it popped up on the Apple TV homepage, and I was like, you know what? This seems like my jam, and yeah. I'm vibing with it. So, did you happen to catch Shrinking with Jason Siegel? I did. I wanted to watch it because I love Harrison Ford. Incredible. Um, and it so looks good. It looked good. Um, it's very good. Just haven't gotten around to it. My list of shows to catch up on is a mile long. I'm so. I, I would imagine so. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I honestly don't know how you do it, Ernesto. I mean, you guys are always pumping out shows, podcasts. You're like doing stuff on assignment. You're like, gotta go see this movie in the theater. I'm like, honey, can I please go? <laughs> it's a, you know, it's it's a literal like I have a you can't see here, but I have a literal whiteboard right here, and like we we have our shows. I think right now we have the summer planned out. Like, all right, we're going to see this this week. So then I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. so then which is the day I got to go to the movies? And it's just, I don't know, it's just worked into the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell Ernesto that every, almost every single time. I was like, sir, I don't know how you have the time. Like, I, I don't have any kids. So, like, I feel like I have, I've, compared to Ernesto, I feel like I have, like, every day is a three-day weekend. You know what I mean? It's a, <laughs> It's just, it is, it's just, that's how it is. I go home, I take a shower, I turn something on, that's the, <laughs> there we are. Um, but what? yeah, I was like, I don't even know how to, t- I, cause sometimes, sometimes you're like, hey man, the week's got busy, I can, I can't go to the theater, we'll do, we'll watch like a home, like a yeah. streaming movie. And it's like, and that's fine. So that sometimes that happens. Yeah. Uh, but even, even some, even like we've gone, months and it's just theater movie after theater movie after theater movie i was like Summer. i don't know how he does it man summer's gonna it's... feel like that mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the more kids i have i'm just like i'm not gonna see anything in the theater i'm just gonna see it six to eight months later <laughs> and 95 percent of the time when i sit down to watch something when the kids are in bed it's just me clicking through the menus of every streaming service <laughs> And then just playing on my phone. I can't decide decide which of the 75 series that are on my watch list is going to be, which one are we going to pull the trigger on today? You know, know, Brandon, if you're on the streaming schedule, then really you're just only like uh, like actively six months behind what was in the Mm -hmm. theaters. Because eventually, like right now, this coming week, you have Magic Mike's Last Dance that was out in February. So if you're looking... Rushing to go see that. Rushing to see that one. Uh, And then you have Avatar, which is coming on Disney. Disney Plus and, and Max because they're doing they're they're sharing that one mm-hmm. um, on June seventh. So like it's 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 six months from when it was released back in December. So eventually you're just be like okay whatever movie that is I I look forward to it in six months and then eventually like your your new release is just slightly skewed. That's all it is. <laughs> I get very hype. I watched Scream Six uh, ooh, like a couple ooh. weeks ago and I was yeah. very excited to see it. Obviously didn't make it to the theater. My wife's not a horror person, so there was no way I was yeah. going to talk her into it. Um, I had a great time watching it at home. It was awesome. Yeah. Right? <laughs> very, very brutal kill scenes. Like, oh man, that one apartment scene. I still yeah. remember. I still, I saw it like three months yeah. ago. That's like the main thing I remember from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know up. if this is a hot take, but I'm of the opinion that there are no bad Scream movies because I think they're all pretty good. So. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I'm, I, I like I, them, but okay. The ending, the ending of Scream Six was like a little, she drops a mask and like walks away <laughs> into the smoke. Like it was a little cheesy, but I'm here for it. I'm, yeah, I'm here for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I there I have I did not hate any Scream movie. 
I'll, so I'll give you that. Like I have my favorites, but there's no one that I'm like, wow, that was garbage. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the suspense. Series. I love yes, the suspense yeah, yeah. that they put out. Like it's yeah. just, it's a good suspenseful thriller. Yeah. Like a whodunit. Uh, I, I'm here for it. I'm having a good time. Honestly, that's just a franchise that they can just pump one of those out every 12 to 18 months, and I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm you're fine. To watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jenna Ortega. I think Jenna Ortega was a nice add to the to the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely, I, yeah. it was a revival it needed. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I've going back to Yellow Jackets. I heard nothing but great things about it. As you, like you said, a lot of buzz came out of season one, um, and so it's a show that because I have Paramount with Showtime, so I've been meaning to watch it, but I never just pull the trigger on it. And then um, I heard I heard a lot of good things with Platonic. It just came out, so right now every time I put on Ted Lasso, it's like you want to watch Platonic? It's like no, I'm watching Ted Lasso first. Apple TV, <laughs> give me a minute. Right. <laughs> I'll get to it eventually. Did you watch Ted? Have you watched Ted Lasso, sir? I have watched maybe half of season one. Oh, and really? I enjoy, I, I enjoy it. It's just one of those things where I was watching it by myself, just haven't gone back to it. Mm-hmm. Now that it's over, or allegedly over, because there's still some... The jury's still out on whether it was really... That was Correct. really the series finale or not. I think... Because they th- kind of said that it was over, but they also said we're leaving the door open for a potential... I don't know. They, 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 it's very vague what is actually happening with it. I, I would um, see but maybe for all intents and purposes it it's over. Yeah, I think because yeah. I think I read somewhere that Jason Sudeik <clears throat> said like this is it, like this is the story, like his story's over. But that's not yeah. to say that there might be some sort of spinoff. Which, you know, I don't, I don't know if it needs a spinoff. Like I, I see. So I'll just say as part of my what you're watching, I saw Ted Lasso, the series finale, and I loved it. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, we, we can we can give a because I've also saw the finale. We can give like a non spoiler take on it, Aristo. And uh, I, I I also remember reading that Jason Sudeikis said that he was done. His story of Ted Lasso is done. But and 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 to Brian, to your point, the, the jury is still out on whether or not we're officially over with it yet. They haven't really said anything about it. So I'm trying to merge the two stories together and what we think it's going on here. I think Jason Sudeikis is done as Ted Lasso. They probably pitched it as a three-season story that they wanted to tell. And by the finale of season three, it's it's very clear, Ernesto, that Ted Lasso has finished his story. And I think, because I didn't, I, I actually didn't know. I, I just assumed that there was going to be a season four. And I was watching the finale. I was like, it feels like, kind of feels like they're ending shit right now like it seems like like there's a lot that's being like they're just wrapping everything up right now (laughs) yeah but i do feel that because they ended it the way that they did i think it's almost like if you watch the office and michael scott when he left the office it was like a big Uh, moment within the show but the show still continued i feel like that mm -hmm. maybe ted lasso's over but we might get a spinoff show that's starting that's going to be carrying like the load of it's going to be a spinoff show that continues off the ending of season three of Ted Lasso. That's the vibe that I'm getting. That's that's the, that's where I think that's where I think we're going. And with they this. and they definitely left some threads where like you can where you can continue on with the people who are left in the show. Yes. Which yeah. what honestly it's it's a lot of people that are left. Yeah, they're all still together. Like, they're all there. Yeah. You know. It's it's all it's like yeah. it's I come it's ripe for just more. I feel like that we can focus on, without spoiling the ending of season three, we can focus on Roy Kent, if you get what I'm saying, Ernesto. Yeah. And I think a lot of the characters had redeeming moments. And Matt, I will say that there was something that we talked – there was a plot point that we talked about very early on in the season. Yeah. And yes. I called it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm yes. gonna be on the record and say that I called it. <laughs> but did you like it though? Oh, I was here for it. I, I, okay, I, all right. Because same, they same. did it because they they weaved it into the story effectively to where you like it made sense. It made sense for that to be the logical end for that character. Exactly. Yeah, I, I totally they, agree. They, with you and there. and I think why Ted Lasso is so good is like besides the fact that it's just so heartwarming and like mm-hmm. Jason Sudeikis gets to be like the loving dad version of himself that we always get to see. Like we always got yeah. to see like the raunchy, but now we're like this is like soccer dad Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> and it's so much heart, and it's so it's so like. Uh, what's the word? It's Shit's Creek had the same. It's whole. It's wholesome. It's yeah. it's humble. It's it's like it's kindness wins at the end of the day. Nothing gets no. You don't get anywhere by being mean or trying to cut corners. Like if you do the work and you be kind about it, then you know it kind of goes your way. And we kind of saw that over the course of three seasons. And I that that to me that was that was fantastic. And they did a great job of like really bringing mental health to the forefront of like Mm -hmm. showing that like nobody's perfect everybody makes mistakes but it's all about how you recover from those mistakes and like roy uh there was a point in the end where one of the i think uh, roy had a really good moment where he's like i still think i'm the same piece of shit i've always been and yeah i don't know like they just they they found a way to to make it like digestible and not not Mm -hmm. people be sad when they see about people talking about their mental health it was it was inter- it was very 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 entertaining the show was a bre- a breakout for Brett Goldstein i mean he's yeah. now going to be hercules in the marvel universe mm-hmm. um and he also produced shrinking which is it the the feel of it is very similar to ted lasso but i actually think shrinking is a little bit better for a lot of other various reasons. Mm-hmm. Definitely, Brian, I'd highly, highly recommend that one. I mean, Jason Siegel, that's like top tier Jason Siegel, too. Yeah. Did you guys like the third season overall of Ted Lasso? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I was seeing a lot of, you know, Twitter isn't real life, but like I was seeing yes. a lot of like Twitter chatter that like people were just dumping on it and saying they that were. like it fell off really hard. But now everyone's like, the finale was good. So now I'm like back on board. But. I mean, I'll say that I I liked what I saw, like, a lot. I just, I wasn't, like, super compelled to, like, I was like, okay, it's going to go a few more years. Like, I'll eventually catch up with it. Um, I like it. I I did think when I was watching it that it was really funny, um, which is always a good, like, when you can really, like, hold your own and and actually have, like, consistent jokes, um, you know. But I'll definitely get back to it and try to finish it now that it's allegedly over, or at least this chapter of it is over. Um, I, but I, I, you know, I think I got through maybe six or seven episodes. I don't even remember okay. how many most of the, the season. Most of the first yeah. season. Most yeah. of the first season, yeah. I will say it's that cool. the people on Twitter are wrong. There was nothing wrong about the third. <laughs> like I, I enjoyed all of season three. Like I, I, I did, I did see what you saw as well. Like people are like, oh, it really got off the deep end, or that episode sucked. I'm like, are we watching the same show right now? It hasn't changed. Yeah. It's the same thing, and it's it was good from beginning to end. So, like, there might be one or two episodes of, like, eh, it was all right. But for the most part, it was entertaining throughout. The, the progression of the characters made a lot of sense. Um, and I was here for all of it. So, yeah, definitely recommend it as well. Um, anything else, Brian, before we move on that you've been watching? Um, as far as what I'm watching, um, no. I mean, I log as much as I can in my phone to remind myself because I, <laughs> I feel like I'll go weeks and be like, oh, yeah, I did watch that. Um, yeah. No, that's it. I mean, Yellow Jackets was our big one, for sure. Okay. Um, we've been wanting to start Succession, obviously. It's so mm-hmm. funny. My wife said, weren't we going to watch Succession? 
on Sunday, <laughs> and she had no idea that it was that was the day of the season, of the series finale. Also, you yeah. guys have seen everything like, but the finale. I was like, "What are you saying?" I was like, "What are you saying right now?" No, she like we haven't like I watched season one back when our daughter was born because I didn't think my wife would be too interested. But now that it's been four years and the show's wrapping up and it has all this acclaim, she's like interested in it now. She's like, "That looks cool. Like it sounds great." I'm like, "Okay, cool." So now I got to go back and watch the first season with her <laughs> and go through the whole series, which is fine because it's been five years probably since I watched season one. Yeah. Um, but it was just funny because she's like. Um, weren't we gonna watch Succession? And I was like, yes. Do you know tonight is literally the series finale? Like, if we had watched this over the last two months, we would be watching the series finale live. Did you guys watch it? Are you guys? So he has it, but I watched the finale, and it. I guess I'll just jump right into mine. Yeah, go right in. I watched this. I watched all of Succession. I finished the series finale. I think I watched it on Monday. Incredible, beautiful storytelling, expert writing. <clears throat> Brian, this I, that I, that was going to be my question. To you, I, I just assumed that you had watched it because it just it seems like you. This is I mean, this I is was in you on enjoy. the ground floor. I, I was there for season one, and then the more kids I had, it's just like <laughs> it's just impossible. But but I will say that <clears throat> Succession, like I watched like the first two seasons, and then I dropped off. It's not that really I dropped off, but I just I you know I got busy, had kids, had knee surgery, all kinds of shit. <laughs> um. And then now I picked up and I picked up and I watched the last two the last two seasons yeah. consecutively and it was incredible. It had a great ending. A lot of people. I'm really glad I watched it because the like the spoilers for the main oh spoiler at the end they're all over the internet. So now, yeah. but now mm-hmm. it, it would yeah. be interesting to go from somebody else's perspective who watches it already knowing where it ends and see if they can pick up on those right. story points. So I think anybody who watches it now. We'll have a different take than the people who originally watched it without knowing the main spoiler of the entire series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, Ernesto, as as our listeners know, and Ernesto already knows that he's been he's been pushing me to watch this show since years. probably the be- years, <laughs> probably the since the beginning of season three when that when they came out, and I still haven't started it, and now it's over, and now I was like, I don't want to watch it. But I I still haven't pulled the trigger yet, yeah. so uh, we're we're yeah. getting there. What uh, Brian? What about Better Call Saul? Have, did you watch? Did you get to finish Better Call Saul? Every minute of every episode. <laughs> it's one of the best shows of all time. Wow! Wow! I told you, dude. I told I think you. it's I genuinely I love Breaking Bad. I think Breaking Bad is a masterpiece. I think it's great. I think if I really had to like be super honest about it. I think Better Call Saul is a better show. Wow. What did I tell I, you, Matt? I said it, a, I literally told him the like exact an, same thing. It's an echo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 they're both, they, obviously, you you wouldn't even have Better Call Saul without, like, the Correct. Mothership show, so, like, obviously, like, you you, 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 they're inextricably linked, but I just think, like, storytelling-wise, performance-wise, uh, it's a richer show, it's a deeper show, um... Breaking Bad is a lot more, like, it has a lot more of those, like, flashier moments. I feel yeah. like, overall, there's a lot more violence. Um, it's, I love them both, but a Better Call Saul, I will be thinking about moments and scenes and images from Better Call Saul till the day I die, probably. It's 
I love it. It's Vince, so wow. Vince Gillian and Peter Gould, fucking geniuses. They're it's so good, yeah. man. I, I, I that that's like a, the best review I've ever heard of it. Like I, I, <laughs> honestly, I was like, all right. I mean, I think, Ernest, I know you've been selling it. I'm like, Brian, I think he sold me. I, get, and I, I guess I just it. wasn't. I wasn't doing it good enough. Yeah. I, I wasn't doing it justice. <laughs> as a as a TV lover, it is hard to look at what they did with that show and be like. That and just like think that other shows are as good or can do it better. Yeah. Like those those guys that creative team just has a mastery of what they want to do, the tone, the filmmaking. But that's the thing. Like it it just never lets up. Like it it is consistent throughout the entire series. There's never a moment where you're like, oh this season's really flagging. Oh I'm so bored. Oh like it it all has its purpose and it. It's just like you can't even really do it justice until you watch it. Um, hmm. The last season was really good. Yeah. I think overall, my favorite season where I was just like hype all the time, like was maybe the fourth season. Yeah, yeah. But I, would agree. I think I think wow. that's where it maybe I don't want to say it peaked there because there's moments in the final season where I'm just like, oh my god, this is the best show of all time. Yeah. I've never seen it. I, you <laughs> know, I would think, anything like I that. would think like season four is like the climax of the series, and then five yeah. and six is kind of yeah. like the the downfall of that. It's like huh. wrapping up and dealing with that, but it's yeah. so good. Like, and they it's fucking so nail the landing, and that's the most important thing is mm-hmm. that they fucking wrapped it. It was so good all the way into the end, and then they wrapped it up in a bow. Like, here, watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I go. would say, for me, the finale is better than the Breaking Bad finale. I think it. I think it's on par to me. It, they almost they the vibes of the ending are very similar. Like it's like yeah. it's justified. Like it's very like you know like how else did you think that this was gonna end? That's how I felt mm-hmm. when I watched both of those finale. And I felt that's how I felt at both of the finales. It's not whether you like it or not. It's what was gonna be the logical ending for this character. It was only gonna happen they're a couple of different ways. To, yeah, they're also trying to achieve different things. So, um, I mean. If you like Breaking Bad, you'll like it. I mean, Absolutely. it's definitely worth it's worth the journey for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand it's like you're like, even in the beginning of season one, I was just like, are we really doing this? Like, we really <laughs> needed this spinoff. Like, I thought it was really good, but I was like, how long is this gonna last? Like, is this gonna be? And then it just it only went up from there. Yeah. So so actually, you make a, you make a really good point because that's where I was. Like, I Megan and I we binge Breaking Bad. We we didn't start Breaking Bad until like a year after it was over. And when we we binge through the whole series, we really liked it. And then it wasn't. And then it was like maybe six months later to a year again after we finished it that they that Better, Better Call Saul came out. And we were watching it week to week, and we saw the all, the whole all the first season. And I said this was good. This was fine. I liked it, but like there was nothing really hooking me to come back for more and that was so then when season two came out i remember we watched the first episode of season two and then we just dropped off after that we never went back to it and then ever since then like season three and four came out everyone's like it's the best show i'm like okay if you say so and then five and six and there's like now it's over and so i got you two raving about it and so i'm like (laughs) i I gotta i i guess i just have to you know and this i get the same with succession just press play and commit to the ride because eventually, you know, it's it's gonna get to the point where I I want to feel what you guys are feeling. I feel like I'm missing yeah. out right now. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. missing out. For sure. I, I will say those first two seasons, not that they're bad. They just they kind of just coast along, and you're like you're with it, but you're like it's it's not propulsive yeah. really. And then yeah. eventually you get to that point where like they have all these different disparate parts of the story that you can tell are going to be 
intertwining more and more as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it it it's so good. I love it. It's so good. So good. You gotta um, watch it, Matt. You do. No, you I absolutely will. I, do. I will. Move I that will. shit up. It needs to go up on the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so also, me and the wife started, but and I think we're gonna be stuck on for a long time. Is we started Yellowstone. So, oh my god! <laughs> so coming at, walking, my wife's like, "Oh, you want to watch Yellowstone?" I was like, "Yeah, I've heard about it. You know, it's Kevin Costner. I like Kevin Costner." And then now, you know, it's got like I think two prequel spinoffs, mm-hmm. and then Yellowstone. It's, and yep. then Yellowstone itself has five. Just, as the fifth season just dropped on Peacock, so I'm gonna be busy with that for a while. Um, we're about three episodes in. They're, the episodes are long. They're they're like at least. Yeah. I think the first yeah. episode was like an hour and a half, and then wow. the second episode is like an hour fifteen. So we like we'll watch one, and then maybe we'll start in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so like we'll start the are next you, one. Are you aware of the of the plan for how that series is going to end, quote unquote, or mm-hmm. how it's going to evolve? Mm-mm. I'm very new. Well, to, I'm very new to like the whole Yellowstone. It's it's pretty good. It's so actually really this intriguing. Is a, this is a pretty recent um, news development, but it's kind of interesting when you think about how popular. I I haven't watched any of Yellowstone. My mom has watched every episode of Yellowstone and every episode of the prequel, sequel, spinoffs, whatever. She knows everything there is to know about it. <laughs> so mostly, I get my information from her regarding Yellowstone. <laughs> but um, I do know that it is like unquestionably the most popular show in the United States. Like it is. Uh, who knew? Everybody <laughs> watches that show. It's pretty um, good, except for us, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I've never started um, a single episode. But um, but yeah, I, I guess Co- Kevin Costner obviously is like the lead, like the patriarch, like mm-hmm. main. He's like the star of the show. He is like ready to peace out and do his own thing. So they're essentially going to end Yellowstone proper with, I guess, the upcoming season. Mm. And his character will be gone, retired, who knows if he'll die. I really don't know if that even makes sense story-wise. Yeah. But, and then the, the, uh, the like, flagship Yellowstone series will effectively be done, and they're going to start a new series that is essentially a sequel that just picks up with all the characters other than Kevin Costner. So this, this sounds like a Ted Lasso situation <laughs> that might be happening right now. Yeah, honestly, all, all, honestly all of our main <laughs> all of our main leads are like, you know what? I, I can do better things. I'm not really tired. Of, okay, if I will end it and then we'll do something else. That's, that's how we do things. But you know, that seems to the be only the only other direction for these shows. Yeah, I think that like he he he's obviously getting paid handsomely. I'm sure mm-hmm. and you know enjoyed whatever time he spent on it. But I think he has what from what I remember reading in some of the news entertainment news was like he has some passion projects that he really wants to make some other movies and stuff and so he's just like he doesn't want to shoot where they're shooting i don't know where they shoot it i think it's on taylor sheridan the creator's ranch is like Mm -hmm. where they shoot a lot of it maybe it's in montana i'm not sure if that's where it takes place or where they shoot it but he just doesn't want to shoot there anymore like he's just done like with the the commitment of it yeah so he's like they're essentially just gonna end the show but not really end the show but his character will no longer be in it yeah and allegedly and this is still in the rumory weird like internet hype but then i guess taylor sheridan kind of confirmed it that they're looking at getting mcconaughey to essentially replace him as like the the central figure of whatever the the sequel series is going to be damn that sounds good too though (laughs) yeah i mean that's a big get i mean that's a big get but um, I haven't watched any of Yellowstone, so I, I can't comment on it other than it is literally an empire, and that is essentially yeah. holding up Paramount as a company and as a streaming <laughs> entity. They're just Wait, like, 
And then the prequel has yeah. Harrison Ford, so Matthew yeah, McConaughey and is Mary. not outside. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. not outside of the realm of possibility. Which is yeah. nuts because all of a sudden, like, I saw that there was a like I saw a spinoff with Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. I was like, oh, a spinoff from that show? That's interesting. And then I was like, didn't they just have another spinoff? And I was like, oh yeah, well that was a prequel spinoff. I was like. Wait, what? what? From from from, a, from this? What are you talking about? And yeah. then, like, further digging on it, you're like, what the fuck? Five seasons? What? This is the yeah. one of the most popular shows. That's where did this show come from? They're right just now, pumping shit out. <laughs> not only that, not only that, but Taylor Sheridan has like five other shows that are not in the Yellowstone universe. And I don't know if he still is, but he was, like, writing them all by himself at one point. Like, I'm sure now he has, like, writers, but basically Paramount just went all in on the Taylor. They were just like, you're our guy, make shows for our platform, here you go. And he yeah. just has free reign. Yeah, so wow. he's he's currently working on... There's 1883, which is the other Yellowstone show. Yellowstone. That he, one's done. So that was one season, and that one they weren't sure if it was coming back, but they've said like it's it's done now. Like that was a one season, and apparently it concludes. Like the story was more or less wrapped up at the end. So he's he's also working. He also created Tulsa King. That's the one with um. Oh, with the Sylvester Stallone. Also on Paramount. Also on Paramount Plus. 1923, yep. and then Mayor of Kingstown is this other one. And oh, that's, that's with, with Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. Yeah, yep. that's also, right. Also Paramount there's Plus. Also, <clears throat> there's also a Bass Reeves show starring David Oyelowo. There's some show with, that's starring Nicole Kidman. Oh my uh, god! These are all Taylor Sheridan. Oh, like he's got a bunch of projects going on. Oh yeah, he's. he's, uh, he's there's writing. a Billy Bob Thornton oil tycoon show. Something. <laughs> wow. I don't know. He's he's definitely and like he has his own demographic. It seems like like these rugged so, uh, like old yeah. like. Uh, tailored to an older generation, it seems like. It's pretty good though. He what, what he wrote Hell or High Water. He wrote and directed Hell or High Water. Oh, that was, that was a great, fucking movie. great. That was great one of the best movies. One of the best movies of the past ten years. I mean, he yeah. wrote and he wrote he wrote the screenplay for Sicario. So. Oh yeah. He's got a he's got a great too. track record. Yeah, he seems definitely. Seems good. So I, <laughs> yeah. I guess you're he in for a back, ride. He should go back to writing screenplays. Like. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I agree with you there. Hang, That's something I can keep on the <laughs> television. <laughs> I feel like I can keep up with your movies right yeah. now. <laughs> he's like he's just sitting on his ranch. He's like fuck this we're just gonna make yellowstone and then it's gonna he's like this one this whole universe yeah he's got the yellowstone he's got the the ycu <laughs> and, and probably since he owns the ranch look how much money he's saving in production no wonder why they're just cranking these out left and oh, right that's, it's... <laughs> that's a really that's a good point that's a good point yeah. so also i got two uh, for else from my what you're watching i got two movies uh i saw the dungeons and dragons movie okay it was cute it was a cute it was a fun movie like i liked it i like that it doesn't like you don't know that it's dungeons and dragons like you were mm-hmm. right Matt, you said it could just be called Honor Among Thieves, and then it, it could yeah. just be viewed as a fantasy, a fantasy flick. I could see them pumping out a bunch of these different different lead actors, and it's just like a, a scenario, and they pump like it's like a, a fantasy action adventure series movie. Like, and they could be like loosely connected, but I could see them starting something. It was successful. Yeah, it was. It, it was. was yeah. It was. It was entertaining. And then I saw um, the Charlie Day movie Fool's Paradise. Oh, and that was. Um, that was interesting. He plays like this mute character who's homeless, and then he he's in this mental institution, and they release him, and then he somehow works up to be like the world's greatest actor because he's like he's he's just play he's not talking he's just letting everybody else do the talking. It's almost like a play on like 
he's in a world full of narcissists. So, like, if you give them the opportunity, they will just talk and talk and talk, and they'll just put you wherever they need to further themselves. And it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a, a play on that. Um, who else was in it? It was uh, there's a whole bunch of people. It was a whole. It. it was a whole bunch. Yeah. Of, it was a whole bunch. Of, it was. It was a like a. It's just like a silly movie, but it was. It was fun. Did you see that in the theater? I did. I okay, I'm about to say like that. Just that one just came out. So, <laughs> when you know when you made me go see Fast and the Furious, I had yeah. I was like, well, this movie doesn't start till this time, so I actually have time to see another movie and it was the only one that fell into the the length the time length that i needed and the start yeah. time that i needed to fit in that second movie and you know it was fine it was just yeah you say what? you say he made you see fast and furious <laughs> like it was like uh like against your will pretty much he knows no, I mean, <laughs> not, against his will i mean granted there are some movies that i'm favoring there's like ernesto we gotta watch and he's like nah i don't want to watch and it's like but we gotta watch and he's like fine and so it's kind of one of those situations. Yeah. Are you are you out on are you out on Fast and Furious? It's just uh, it's it's got it's gotten way too out out there for me. Like if they're like Fast Nine, they're in they're shooting this little shitty car into space, and then well, this one, Dom Toretto's sh- driving a car down the Hoover Dam as it's exploding. Like, come on, what are we doing, guys? <laughs> like the first movie, they were street racing, and now they're they're like superheroes. He's like literally saving the Vatican by destroying his car and driving away. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Vin Diesel I, is a literal fucking superhero. Like, <laughs> I'm strapped in. I got my seatbelt on. I'm ready for this ride the whole way through. So, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> It sounds like it. It does sound like anecdotally they're getting progressively worse. But I, I did really enjoy the little trilogy of Fast Five, Fast Six, and Furious Seven. Yes, mm-hmm. I thought that that was quite nice. I never thought I would be like a fan of those movies. Loved all three. Thought they were super fun. Like obviously self-aware and like corny, yeah. but that's like part of it. Like. I haven't really watched since then, so I haven't seen Fate of the Furious or F9 or Fast X, but or 10 or however we're yeah. saying it. But, yeah, um, it, it gets more ridiculous. Heard, I've had heard that it's gotten kind of desperate and bad. Like, it's just bad now. It's just, well, I mean, see, it's just over the it, top. <laughs> it, it, it really depends the mindset you're going into. It. And so, like, yes, people are calling it bad. But for me, I'm like, yeah, but if you just take away... Like, if you just go in there for a good time, then, and you just accept what's on the screen, then it's good. Now, I will admit, F9 was the worst in the series. It was, that was, to me, that was, like, the first movie I did not like. But then they, they, they made up for it in Fast X, in my opinion. That's just my opinion, though. It, it does have, there are certain redeeming qualities, and you could tell, like, like, there's a whole, like, side story with John Cena and a little kid, and he's playing, like, the fun uncle. Like, the yeah. movie, you could tell that it's starting to be geared towards kids, which is weird, because mm-hmm. at the beginning, that's not what Fast and the Furious was <laughs> in no. the very beginning. But it kind of evolved, <clears throat> I mean, over, what, 20 years of making these movies, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of yeah. evolved into that. But I agree with you, and this, is, this was my take with Matt, is that they should have ended it. On seven with the send off for Paul Walker where he goes to be off with his family like that should have been it that should have been mm-hmm. the end. that should have been the end of the Fast and the Furious series and now it's just like whatever and then we got Hobbs and Shaw and now we got the the Rock the Rock uh, n- another spinoff movie even though he said he wouldn't do another Fast and the Furious movie yeah. money talks man <laughs> yeah <laughs> guess because he's I guess he's got time because he's not gonna be Black Adam anymore. <laughs> 
Damn. Shade. Shots fired. <laughs> um, anything else you got, Ernesto? Or Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> That was it. That was okay. a good one. Sorry, I'm yeah. going to give myself. That was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Um, I I don't have much, but uh, I do have a few things. Um, Ernesto, I saw Missing. Do you remember? Oh, the, that's the, right. The part, the, the part, the sequel to Cert- yeah, kind. Of, it's a kind of sequel. It's like it's almost treated like an anthology series. It's mm. the next in the mm-hmm. franchise, but it has nothing to do with the first one. Megan and I watched it. I freaking loved that movie. Better than I the first was, one. It, it, in moments, yes, um, but in other moments, no. I think the story was stronger in searching, but what they were able to do with the technology that they were trying, like the story-wise, mm-hmm. how they were able to push the boundary through a movie through the eyes of technology, that I think they were able to, you know, do better yeah. in the second one. But I, I loved it. It was it's on Netflix now, um, and uh, I think they, they did a really good job. Is the first one on a, Netflix too, or just the second one? I think just the second one. I don't, I don't think the first one's streaming anywhere right now. Uh, but but I mean it's 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 like it's a it's a mystery. So like it's really it did a really good job of giving us like like typically in a mystery you get like that one oh shit moment. And this movie I got like three of like little turns that did like oh okay we're we're doing this now. And so the story wise was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, so, and and so coming from searching and it was re- it was crazy because when you see like I was like who directed this and I was like oh they they were involved in the first moment maybe they were writers and no they weren't writers producers they didn't produce the first one I was like so what was their involvement they didn't direct it no they edited the first one and then they became directors in the sequel which was to me that was wild um and then the the director of the first movie was a co-writer for the second one, and the editors wrote and directed the second one as well as you know co-writing with the original director. So they they had a really solid story in place. So I, I recommend it if you haven't already. Um, and then Ernesto, I don't know if you remember, about two weeks ago I told you I was working on something on the side. Oh yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> You're ready this week. Yes, I am, and I'm ready to uh, to, to share the details. Yes. For some reason, I don't know why. I feel like I this is something that, that I don't know why I'm doing this, okay. but I feel like that is like this is something I want to do. Maybe um, we live in Orlando. Disney's all over the place. This is obviously our Disney episode when we talk about Little Mermaid. I've decided to watch every animated film. You, you watched every Disney animated film. You wanted to no, do- no. I have not yet, but I've started it, and so I'm going down the list. And I'm doing it in preparation, uh, it's a, kind of a long game here, for Disney's anim- newest animated movie called Wish, mm. which is the origin story of the Wishing Star, which said to include at least a reference or two off of every Disney animated film. Interesting. Okay, okay, let's you so, do in your homework. I'm, and side note, I'm actually kind of excited for this one because it's an original Disney story. Yes, it's an or- <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, so I kind of started this when we watched Pinocchio, and then I didn't start it again until most recently. So we, I watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and then I watched Pinocchio, and then we watched a live-action Pinocchio, and then we reviewed it. Um, and then the last couple of, I guess the last month and a half or so, I watched Fantasia, Dumbo, the live-action Dumbo, Bambi, and the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, most of which I've never seen before. 
Like I've never seen, I don't remember ever seeing Dumbo. I've never seen Fantasia. Uh, Pinocchio was a very long time. I'm convinced I never saw Snow White. And I, I could buy Mr. Toad. Definitely didn't see that. And Bambi, after watching it again, I was like, I don't remember any of this movie. Um, and so I kind of skipped ahead for this week for The Little Mermaid because I'm like, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it twice, yeah. so uh, we're just going to do a, do ahead as well, so I, I kind of skipped ahead on the journey. Um, but to make that long story short, I really, really enjoyed Bambi. Out of all the movies I just described, really? fun, funny enough, Bambi was the one that I'm like, wow, this one really worked for, for 2023. That movie came out in 1941, um, and it really worked animation-wise. It worked beautiful animation. The story was pretty simplistic a very little dialogue and is really carried through music um orchestral and actual songs um i feel like that movie was just treated with care and i and i'm also and part of the journey is that i'm also watching live action adaptations on top of it as and if they have behind the scenes i want to dive into that as well so it's a full journey here that i'm going on um and uh when i watched the behind the scenes of bambi I didn't realize that I was watching an, a longer behind the scenes of, of that than I was the movie, but it was almost like an it was like a um, they took the script they t- I'm sorry they took the 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 what do you, the transcripts of the I guess you have like a an interpret like a um, a recorder there from like a person just sitting there typing that sh- there there's a name for the person right there there's like Transcriber? a yeah Transcriber, something like that yeah a- and they took the trans uh, they took the the transcribe what do you call it so, yeah they took the transcript and they and they had people voice they had like voice actors read the transcript as the movie was going on okay and so so these were the actual words of Walt Disney and his team and we were watching the movie again through their commentary of what oh, they were talking okay. about when they were developing the film. Yeah. So you're you're watching the movie with their with Walt Disney's directorial notes. Like correct. Okay. Yes. Like his yeah. notes on the film as it's progressing through the movie. They correct. Oh, but okay. it's, but it. it's obviously voiced. You're saying it's voiced by someone else. Correct. Yeah. Based correct. On, like someone transcribing all of the behind the scenes. I correct. Ah. Yes. When it happened in the in like the conversations and the meetings that they had back in '41. Ah, um, okay. So it was, it was a really interesting, interesting documentary, and I didn't think I was going to watch the whole thing, but I was just intrigued by it. Um, and and yeah, Bambi's the one that worked. Snow White doesn't work anymore. Bambi, I'm sorry, not Bambi. Dumbo, I didn't. That didn't work anymore either. Uh, Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, that was just weird. That go <laughs> back and watch Mr. Go back and watch Mr. Toad and tell me that's not a weird movie. I've never that, seen it. I have to. I don't know it, if I want to check it out now though. <laughs> it's weird, man. And it's like, I don't know what the hell I'm watching right now, but it's it's odd. Um, yeah, some of them just, that you know, these movies were made in the 30s and the 40s. It just doesn't hold up in, anymore. And you have these live-action adaptations that try to either do something different, noticing that Dumbo and, and, and the live-action version are two completely different movies. Like, Tim Burton, when he did Dumbo, was completely different from the animated film. Um, and then you have, like, Pinocchio and the live-action version of Pinocchio. They're pretty much similar in, in those ways as well. And as we dive into The Little Mermaid, you can see the similarities and the differences with that as well. Um, so, so yeah. So, throughout the next couple of months, you're going to hear me every now and then mention a Disney movie because I'm going to be going through this journey. I'm kind of um, interested to to for Wish, for when we review Wish then, because, mm-hmm. you know, you'll have a fully informed 
I don't know yes. if I'm going to do all that kind of research. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. I'll leave yeah. that. I'll leave that project to you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I realized that there was a lot of movies, especially in the early 30s, 40s, and 50s, that I had never seen before. Like I'm familiar with it because it's Disney and it's in the parks and everything, and they're classic stories that you're familiar with. But like at the end of the day, is like I don't think I've ever sat down and actually watched it. So which that's is your? What I'm I don't doing. know if I've, I may have asked you this. I'm probably have. When did, which is what is your Disney your favorite Disney animated movie? Hercules. Hercules. What yeah. about you, Brian? Same. 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 Ooh. Mine's Pinocchio. Mine's Pinocchio. Pinocchio. As far as classic, but as far as like modern day, I'm gonna go. Hercules is number is Lion King. I think I'm gonna yeah I'm going Lion King. Lion King. Uh, for me, uh, Aladdin's a second choice okay. for me. But Pinocchio like holds a very special place in my heart. <laughs> um. So yeah. So with that, so uh, as we, uh, so I I did see the, the animated Little Mermaid, which we'll dive into right now. So right now we're gonna be diving into our spoiler review of the live action version of the Little Mermaid. And Brian, we're gonna start with you. What'd you think of the remake? Um. It was fine. It was fine. <laughs> um, I went. I went on a Sunday afternoon. Um, my wife and I took our two of our kids. Um, we left the baby at home. Um, one fell asleep, but he's only two, so like it's yeah. not really the movie's fault. Um, but my daughter was like locked in. She watched the whole thing. She loved it. Um, I mean, I think it was go- good-ish. Um, there were things I liked about it. Um, I think my 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 struggles and my reservations to like praise it just come from my overall frustration with just like rehashing everything mm-hmm. in our culture ad nauseum. Yeah. Um, I thought that it they 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 tried to make a a good movie. I thought it was thirty minutes too long, and there was way too much dialogue between the songs so if Mm. you're trying to make a family movie like obviously the animated movies are like 90 minutes on average right Mm -hmm. and then to be that length for to hold a child's attention span and they're quick they're in and out um and they feel because they're shorter they feel like the songs are kind of like one after another yeah Uh, i don't necessarily need that in a live action movie but i feel like the choice to like expand the story and have these longer scenes like there's a version of this movie that's an hour and 45 minutes, and it's just loaded with songs. I mean, they had songs that they could have used from the Broadway musical mm-hmm. um, that already existed that were written by Alan Menken um, that are better than, you know, some of the choices they made in this movie. Um, I thought casting-wise, like, everyone was pretty appropriate for their yeah. roles. I thought Halle Bailey was, you know... Her singing voice was gorgeous. I thought she was a star. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was a, a, a great choice to be the center of the movie. Um, but I just... They didn't really give a lot of these people very much to do. They were just kind of rehashing, you know, most of what was already in the animated film. And I thought the CG was bad. Like, bad. Mm. Like, yeah. I thought the CG was really rough in spots. Now... I, I, I don't know like how much more photorealistic you want to make it because <laughs> it already has that weird uncanny like it's like why is this somewhat realistic looking crab like talking? <laughs> but it's also I think I think my my general take on these live action remakes is that they're all fine. Like they're all fine. 
Are they as good as the animated ones? So far, not one has really been an improvement <laughs> on the original. That being said, I, I really enjoyed John Favreau's Jungle Book. I really enjoyed mm. I, I enjoyed a lot of what they did with the Beauty and the Beast live action film. Um, I mean, even Aladdin. Like, I remember going to the movie, seeing it, had a good time, laughed at Will Smith's jokes. Like, was it a masterpiece? No, but yeah. The reason they make these movies is because they make money. Yeah. And so, like, I could sit here and say, why? Why did they make it? Why did they make it? Well, because they make a billion dollars worldwide. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So easy money. <laughs> so yes, of course they're going to keep making them. But I just kind of wish if they would make, if they're going to keep making them, that they would just be radical with it, like remake it and if people hate it you're like well there's always the animated version but if you're essentially making the same movie again you're just not really justifying its existence and it's kind of like unfair to the people that are putting all this work in this into this movie for them to just be compared to a cartoon essentially um i thought that halle bailey was great i thought david diggs kind of stole the movie as sebastian um i thought melissa mccarthy was way better than i could have ever imagined i really enjoy her as a performer but when she was cast i was like just not really what i just couldn't imagine it couldn't picture it yeah and i thought she i thought she absolutely killed it um javier bardem is a tremendous actor and i have no idea what he was doing (laughs) i felt the exact same way like wow it's like oh he's gonna be he's king trying like that's gonna be great well, it's like he he, well. he obviously looked the part and, <laughs> and he had that like authority but like the early scenes of the movie he kept doing this very weird like smirk that was like <laughs> it was like bordering on sinister and i was like what the fuck is happening like, <clears throat> and my wife my wife at the end of the movie was like i don't know that i liked triton all that much and I was like, yeah, like, I'm not going to say anything disparaging to Javier Bardem because that that guy has turned in some legendary performances. Absolutely. But um, but I, I just, I don't know. Maybe he's not used to working with green screen. Like, it was just like he was never really looking at anyone. And, like, the choice, there was just no character there. And I, I couldn't really feel, like, the emotional connection for, like, his daughter, his offspring. Like, I didn't feel it. It was just weird. Like, it was just very weird. Like, it was almost, like, sinister. And I don't know if that was a choice or that was just him Mm. being kind of confused. But luckily, he wasn't, like, a huge part of the movie. Like, overall, like, his scenes were, you know, fairly minimal. Um, You make a good point about Trident. Because, like, even... Ariel's, like, the only daughter he cared about. Granted, in the animated version, he didn't even... the, the, The sisters had two scenes. The sisters had a little bit more to do in this movie, but also he he maybe said two words to his daughters. He's like, "I love all of you, but where a- Ariel? Ariel, where are you? I don't see you. Damn, daughters, go away! I can't find my youngest." They, they did. Uh, they did leave a lot of good songs on the table too. As, as far um, as what, I was what, in the Broadway version, yeah, like I I I really really they kind of did fathoms below when they're on the ship but the broadway version of it is just so good like you really i don't know the way the music swells together like and they harmonize like you really get a feel for them it's a really good song for them to come like to see them as like on the ship together and it was i don't know like that was just one and then the daughter they could have done the daughters of triton song like that would have been a perfect spot to do it like when they're all doing the meeting i yeah, I mean it's definitely not essential to the plot, but it is criminal that they cut Les Poissons. Like yes. I don't know why they took. 
Like, and that was the other thing that I found kind of odd is like with these long stretches of, of scenes where there was like, we were kind of like waiting for the next song, it started to get a little dull and it was like very like self-serious and it wasn't really like lively mm-hmm. or spirited unless you had like Aquafina and David Diggs like bickering. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I know there's probably, I, I feel like this is like a divisive thing right now on the internet is like people are debating like, is the rap like horrible or whatever? I was fine with it. I thought like it kind of gave the movie some life and it wasn't the same exact thing we've seen in the animated version. So like I didn't have a problem with it. Like if you're going to have Aquafina and David Diggs like voicing characters in your movie, like why would you not give them a rap and like let them have fun with it and like try to do something that isn't just aping what we've already done in the 1989 version. Um so I don't know. I kind of wish that there like I said, like I feel like they needed less time between the songs. Those scenes kind of could have been a little more brisk and like maybe put some more songs in there. If you wanted to do more new songs, that's fine. It just, the movie needed to kind of, it just needed more life. And, and the CG was just like very messy, especially during under the sea. I was like, what are we watching here? Is this a, like, this looks like a 1995, like windows, like under the sea, like screensaver. Um, <laughs> screen yeah. And that's so, supposed to be like a really, a, and, a song that really brings everybody together. And I, I didn't feel that in that number at all either. Yeah. I, I and, feel like that there were that, that moment yeah. in particular, the under the sea moment, I, I feel that, that was like the first song that I heard it from the movie. And there, there were a few others, but that was the first one. I was like, Ooh, that one just doesn't hit. Like, I remember, like, the animated version. You're just, like, you're bobbing, you're, you're having a good time with the yeah. song. And this one, it just felt like a, a slowed-down version of Under the Sea. Um, they added lyrics for Ariel. She was singing along in this version. She wasn't singing mm-hmm. in the animated version. So, like, there's something there. It's a little extra, a little kick to it. But other than that, it's, like, it's almost like if the animated version is, like, Under the Sea, everybody! And then this one's, like... Under the sea, yes. Yeah. Everyone just get get just the vibe chill. in there. Just chill, and you're like, well, no, I want to be dancing in my yeah. seat. I don't want to be like, like, oh, I know, I I know this song. It's like it's almost like this is like a cover, and you're like, oh, I this was a nice cover, but I've heard the original is way better. Uh, Bernesto, what what are your thoughts? What what are your jello consensus? So I think my take is that I think this movie was just geared towards a younger audience, like, and that's really what this remake is. Like, it's not. I don't think they're making it with the intention where as like us as adults can enjoy it the way that we can all as a group enjoy the animated there's something about there's something about the remakes that just there's like that separation and i didn't and i actually like you brian i liked the i like john favreau's jungle book i actually liked aladdin i didn't uh, beauty and the beast was okay mm-hmm. it, it was fine i kind of you know i kind of liked uh, aladdin more like i I think that like the songs they added for Jasmine were good, but with this one I just didn't get really any of that. And then I just chalked it up to you know, like I got to a point where I was like, this movie is just not for me. Like it's just this movie was not made for me. It was meant for little kids. Like it wasn't meant for for as a group to enjoy because I actually really I really enjoy the 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 original one and I love the musical. Like I've never I never got to see it live, but I would listen to the I would listen to the Broadway soundtrack on repeat for the longest for the longest time i mean titus burgess as sebastian is unmatched like his voice is absolutely exceptional he's so he's so good and i just i don't know i just didn't feel that with this one the cgi was weird like the scuttlebutt song <laughs> Chicka, bah, bah. like i don't know they could have came up with a better song for him <laughs> i i don't know it was a it was a weird it was a choice it was well, a choice that they made 
Well, while we're on the topic, there are three new songs that were added to this music. And then, uh, let's see, I just want to... Oh, one of them was the Prince Eric song, right? Where he's Yeah, so there were three new songs added to the mix. You had Wild Uncharted Waters, which was from from Prince Eric. We got (laughs) uh, uh, an inside voice... song from uh for the for the first time where she was she was like singing in her mind like we it was we uh ariel was oh. like after she got her legs she wasn't oh yeah, yeah, yeah. singing she was like it was like in it her was head like when she was putting on like human clothes for the first time when they bring her to the castle and <clears throat> she's like having like an interior monologue but mm. like in song form exactly yeah. exactly um and then you had scuttlebutt um and then there was also just to as, as this article was reading that there were additional reprises there was an additional re- reprise for the classic part of your word, there was a third reprise. Uh, there was only two in the animated version. Um, and then Lin-Manuel did some lyrical changes and omissions to Poor Unfortunate Souls and Kiss the Girl, which you, there was like a quick, there was like a little bit of a line change when it came to Kiss the Girl. Uh, but That's what I was talking about. I remember talking about this earlier. They, they changed it so it wasn't so rapey. I think it's correct. What it was. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, that's what it was. Yeah. But also that whole scene, uh, quickly talking about that whole thing. Like, they, they made it to a point, and this is where I feel like, Brian, I kind of get what you're saying, where in, in the movie, they made, I feel like they shoehorned in, uh, obviously, like, and kind of, like, they put a big, like, flashing light on it. It was like, um, we had this whole Poor Unfortunate Souls musical number, and at the end of it, she's like, but yes, I'm going to make her forget about the, the the most important part is the fact that she needs to kiss Eric. She's not going to even remember that part. And I was like... Well, isn't that kind of important? Yeah. And then, it, and then it gave reason. I, I, th- I think at, at the end of the day, it kind of worked in a way, kind of, um, because it gave Scuttle and Sebastian and Flounder just a little bit more to do in the scenes where she is discovering land, mm-hmm. uh, because they were focusing on you need a kiss, and she's focusing on anything else but right now. So. I kind of get it, but I also feel like in a sense that you are shoehorning this particular story because it was in the animated version. We could have restructured that a little bit to make it less like obvious so that you are like making this change because of the way that people received that particular scene in the animated version. I've, but instead of doing the whole kiss thing, we could have redone what she needed to do in order to keep her, her land legs. You and, it know what I mean? made, and it would have made the story more interesting. And I have... One gripe. I have one major gripe with the entire film is that they changed the ending of the movie, where Prince Eric is the one who needs to be saved and Ariel is the one who stabs Ursula. But like, you take away that plot point and it's like you essentially Titan has no reason to care about the surface dwellers. Like that was the link to make him care about Eric and Ariel getting together, right? Isn't that what? Kind yeah. I mean. He he did. You can kind of say that he did go out there, like in the animated version, he went out there to go rescue her. So he, there was an effort there in a way, and he was willing to sacrifice himself for Ariel. And but I know a lot of people. To your point, a lot of people had the reverse effect on it of like you have like this independent, free, uh, free willing mermaid willing to kind of go on her own journey, and then at the end of the day, in the animated version, a man ended up saving it, and she was the damsel. So they were kind of reversing that effect a little bit because she's the star of the movie and she should be the one that's killing Ariel. I didn't, I didn't have a problem with that. I know, but it, the only reason is that it – so then what? what is the thing that makes Titan okay with him and Ariel getting together? Like what is the link – what is the action 
that makes him that makes it okay for that. For to me, that him saving her served the purpose because then he got to see yeah. this man take care of his daughter, and then he's like, okay, well maybe the surface dwellers aren't so bad. Like, what what moment? We didn't really get a moment. Like they didn't re- they didn't really help them. They like Ariel and the sea people did all the work. Yeah, all the surface dwellers were kind of like, <laughs> oh shit. They got it. They're good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll even give you a step further. I don't even. Th- I think the romance in there was again only in there to to kind of go along with the animated movie. Because if you look at Ariel's journey, she wanted to be on land, but she also fell in love with Eric. Like, kind of love at first sight in the animated version. In the live action version, I never was ever convinced she cared about Eric. She mm. was her main focus was she wanted to be on land. Yeah. And then we just threw in like I never felt like she like really cared for him at all. It was almost like the I like she cared for him being a human, not I I I love Eric is like I I love you know the human world. I want to save them because they, he shouldn't have died. And then she, and then he got a trance in her siren song, which I that gave a little bit more clarification of you know what happened in the animated version. Um, and then he was fixated on the song, but in the process fell in love with the woman that's kind of sitting right in front of her um, when she eventually gets, you know, the land legs. But yeah, that, that romance angle, I, ne- I never bought in the movie. It, it was hard for me to dive into it because in the, in the animated version, it was very clear that she loved him. She just wanted nothing to do with him. And that was also part of the problem in the animated version. So they were trying to rewrite that a little bit, but they were kind of, I feel like they did a good job of not making the romance the focal point, but they kind of just shoot it in there because that's what happened in the animated version. Yeah. Um, but uh, Brian, what did you think of the three new songs that were in in there? The Uncharted Waters, First Time. Did, did you like any of them? Did you think that any of them worked for the movie? They were okay. I, like I said, like I I love Lynn's work. I, it's kind of unclear if he wrote those songs or if Alan Menken wrote them and he wrote like the lyrics because he's not really credited credited in the actual credits with music, just mm-hmm. with additional lyrics. Lyrics, so I yes. don't. I would imagine that the rap was something that he, you know, concocted, um, rather than Alan Menken. But um, like I said, I I don't think Scuttlebutt is like a great song necessarily. But that was one moment in the movie where I was like, oh, this is like we could use a lot more of this. Just like, is it kind of weird? Does it kind of like doesn't fully work? But like. It gave it gave those like three minutes a lot more life than there was in some of the. I, you know that so that's a like, good point. That's a good point. Maybe they it was just misused. Like maybe we needed that kind of it song. Made, it literally but it just... made me sit up in my chair and pay attention. <laughs> yeah, same. Because it's like, like oh, what the what fuck is, is about happening? to happen? <laughs> this is not, I, did, I did not have this on my bingo card. And when you listen to it again, when you listen to it again. It definitely has that clever... There's, like, some clever lines in there where you're like, okay, this is, like, Lynn's lyrical prowess. Yes. And I'm not saying we needed more rapping, so to speak, but we just needed... The movie just needed more life. And if it is a movie for kids, Ernesto, as you said, which I do think it's geared towards kids and families, but, like, my daughter's six. Like, she does have the attention span, but I know not every six-year-old is ready to... True. To sit through a two-hour and fifteen-minute movie. I agree. I so agree. I'm yeah. not a hundred percent sure why we went the route of making it, and and also the marketing is very, like it's very um, playing on people's nostalgia for the original. Yes, so absolutely. So it's meant to be for kids, but it's also supposed to be nostalgic. <clears throat> like, who is the audience? Like, yeah, it's technically like a new audience. You know, we want to to 
the idea would be to get a new inter- generation interested in it. Um, you know, and everybody knows the songs and all that. I thought the other two songs were fine. Yeah. I mean, they were fine. I, I don't even really remember the Ariel song as far as, like, melody goes. Mm-hmm. I thought that the Prince Eric song was fine. It kind of had a nice melody. But again, as Ernesto pointed out, like, they already did this work when they rethought this as a two-and-a-half-hour Broadway musical, so I don't know why they didn't adapt more of those elements, because yes. they had already fleshed out the story, especially with, like, Ursula and Triton being brother and sister, brother and sister which I don't yeah. think is mentioned at all in the animated film. It's not. Um, but they play that up a lot in the Broadway musical. Um, lots of references to that, and there's, like, you know... Um, Triton has a song. You know, not that every character needs a song, but you already had the bones of a expanded story with expanded material by the original creative team. Yes. Yeah, Uh, yeah. You know, or at least the original composer. And I just don't know why... Well, I guess I do know why. Because they were hoping probably one of these songs would be nominated for an Oscar. (laughs) But also... Let's be real. But when you look at it, like, when you have Lin-Manuel Miranda on your poster... That's gonna drive ticket sales to us to a certain audience. That, that's you know, what not, drove not, me to go see it. To be yeah. honest, like I've you know I'm Matt. I've told you I'm very hit or yeah. miss on the, on these mm-hmm. li- on these live action remakes. Like the one thing that drew me to this was Lin Manuel was that he was gonna be the one taking care of it. But yeah. it doesn't seem like he had much. Like he maybe he had no. a very minimal role as opposed to what we originally thought. I thought he was gonna be basically like creating it. Yeah, it it definitely seemed like again he it all it says he was credited for is new lyrics. So he probably wrote, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Scuttlebutt was definitely him. You can hear that through and yes, through. Yes, hundred percent. The Wild Uncharted Waters. I honestly I didn't care for that song at all. I didn't think it was great in the movie. It was like Eric's want song. He's like, I want to be at the sea, Com- like drawing parallel to uh ariel's want song which is i want to be part of the land so uh that was basically what i got out of that uh for mm-hmm. the first time i feel like there was more reason for that song to be there all primarily because how ha- uh Haley bailey has an incredible voice yeah. i think one of the few songs that actually w- was better than the original than the animated movie was part of your world mm. part of the part of your world was a is a gorgeous song Sung by her in the live action version. I think it's better than the animated version. That could be a hot take, but I really enjoyed her version of that song compared to the original. Um, it is a star making moment for sure, which absolutely. is like really for me, honestly, the selling point of the movie. Like if you're gonna tell somebody like you want to go see it for this sequence because it is gorgeous. Like I definitely had a couple yes. tears at a certain point because it's yeah uh, yeah not to, I don't really know that we need to dig into all of the controversy over the casting because it's total nonsense. Yes, yeah, horseshit. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it we kind don't of about it. it kind of just like for me, I was just like seeing her shine, seeing her slay. I was just like this. Is, I definitely got a little emotional towards the end of the song because her rendition is gorgeous mm-hmm. and it's just like such a moment for her. She's obviously got other movie roles and other things coming coming that are going to be happening for her. Yeah. Um, so it was great to sort of see that vindication, that justification of like, yo, I got this part because I deserve to be here, not for any other reason. Her cast, yeah. her casting, the casting was great. I just think we needed a better story. We needed, like, if it had been inspired by The Little Mermaid or heavily inspired, like, like they could have, like you were mentioning, Matt, they could have changed some elements and took in the story in a different direction, and that would have made yeah. it a more interesting live action remake. 
Yeah, and, and, and Brian, you've already mentioned it before earlier that the, the justification of these movies, I feel like at that point, it's kind of out the window. The, the justification is it makes a billion dollars. So at this point, if you're expecting anything different than uh, a similar version of the animated version, then then you haven't been watching these Disney live action remakes because th- most of them, if not all of them, are, are to that point. Um, and, and for me, I'm looking for a middle ground. Give me some familiarity that I, that I enjoy from the original, but also give me something worth sitting in that theater for. Yeah. Give me a little extra that like, oh, I didn't see that coming. To your point, the Scuttlebutt song, definitely didn't see that coming. That definitely took me by surprise. Um, just give me something a little bit different that like, like, oh, that's new. And I kind of like it that way. Like even in Kiss the Girl, they changed the lyrics a little bit. Sure. But they gave... Like Sebastian, Scuttle, and Flounder, more there were there were additional vocals in that song which they weren't in the original, and it made more sense for them to do that because they're part of this whole process. Mainly because Ariel did like the the whole reason for that song in this movie was more justified because she wasn't she didn't know none the wiser, and so like oh we have to play it up as if like we're not blatantly telling anyone to do this. We're gonna sneakily do it like within the ambiance of the environment, and that's where the song comes in to play on that. Um, and I think they did a really good job doing that. And I think like Kiss the Girl was a better rendition. I think Part of the World was a better rendition. And to, again, Brian, to your point, when I saw Melissa McCarthy as Ursula, I was like, eh, I don't know. Like I've seen her as a comedic actress. She's great in, in her in the roles that she's in, but this one's a little bit different. And she nailed it. Yeah. Like that that poor unfortunate soul song. Man, I've I've listened to it a few times in preparation for this this episode, and I was like, wow, that is, she she really put in her all into that performance, um, and I was shocked. I was like, you know, okay, that good for you, Melissa McCarthy. You proved again that you deserved to be in this role because I didn't think I didn't think you had. I thought it was gonna be cheesy. Like out of all the people, Javier Bardem was the one that ended up being cheesy <laughs> in in the grand big scheme of things, and not and not anyone else. I thought it was <laughs> when they were, and, when they're floating yeah. away and and they just stop and he's just. He just pops up out of nowhere. <laughs> hey, oh shit! <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of people are talking about Haley Bailey's performance and Melissa McCarthy's performance. But uh, Brian, I agree with you again. David Diggs as Sebastian stole the show. He he was the comedic relief. He was the driving force in in uh, in how the movie kind of played out. And he he gave us that like. He was actually, it felt like the only person that was taking it too seriously and also not seriously at all. He's like, I didn't really give a shit about anything that's going on. I just don't want to get in trouble, guys. <laughs> I'm trying to help you, not help you. And and he did he did phenomenal. And I, I don't think we needed the chef in there. I didn't really care for the animated version. I, I was fine they, they didn't include the chef in this one. It was more... And the animated version was more of a slapstick comedy for me. Mm. I'm not. I, I didn't think it. I didn't think it warranted to be in there. Um, but Brian, you, you made a mention of the runtime. Uh, the original animated movie was an hour and eighteen minutes. An hour. This, eighteen. They added almost an entire hour. <laughs> they added without the credits included. They added fifty-one minutes to this movie. And so again, to the question, who are these movies for? Is it for us, the adults, to to feel nostalgic? For once was the animated version, or are we here to, and you know, for a new generation? Is it a little bit of both? It shouldn't be two hours if it is, though. Mm-mm. Like that, it's a long, very, very long runtime. Yeah. Um, but kind of final. It's a powerful thing. That's. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where our movie culture, honestly, 
most of our pop culture is at right now is just like, mm-hmm. how can we revive something that maybe seems long dead? If it has any relation to a franchise or to IP, bring it back. Bring it back from the dead. Bring back something that was, you know, last popular 30 years ago. And the reason they make these movies is because they make money. I mean, mm-hmm. I just wish that, you know, like I was saying before, like, they wouldn't always just be a carbon copy of the animated movie, that they would actually just be like, listen, we're going to give you a whole, something totally new with some familiar elements, but it needs, it just needs to be a lot more fresh, I think. Agree. For it to really yep. justify its existence, other than, obviously, like, you know, the shareholders are happy, I'm sure. That it's, <laughs> you know, I don't actually know what it's tracking to make worldwide, or where we're at with the worldwide box office, but it, I know it was doing really good in the States, at least the so, first weekend. Oh, I didn't know this. So its budget was two fifty million, and I don't Ooh. know if we got it pulled up there too. Box office two seventeen. Worldwide. World. I think. Let me see. That was uh, because it it made one hundred and eighteen million opening weekend uh, domestically over Memorial Day weekend. So that's a pretty solid opening out of the four days. Um, out of, well, out of the yeah, out of the four day that it was its first released. Um, but I I don't know what it made worldwide. I don't I didn't see those numbers. So here, according to all domestic, 138 million. Okay, international. Probably. So two what that that 217 is the worldwide number. Wow. So not it didn't it didn't translate overly well internationally. If 138 domestically and 217 internationally. No, no. Worldwide 217, international 78, domestic 138. Okay, so overall we're at okay. two seventeen. Yeah, yeah. But Which, I wonder if I mean, it hasn't opened in a lot of other countries yet. That's fair. That's mm. fair. Uh, but Brian, let's let's go to your final thoughts on the film. It was fine. My daughter had a good time, and I'm I'm enjoying. She's at that age now. We went uh, a couple months ago. We went to see Super Mario Brothers around her birthday, and she had a great time doing that. So I'm kind of getting her into the groove of like, hey, there's a movie that you might want to see in the theater. She's very into the like popcorn and the snacks. And so like I'm enjoying having the opportunity to take her to like have the movie theater experience before oh. it dies forever. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I liked it. I mean, I thought it was a pleasant movie. I just, again, like we've watched the animated film so much. It's like my daughter, one of my daughter's favorites and... I haven't seen the Broadway version, but I'm, I'm familiar with, you know, the songs. And I just, I think they could have done a lot more with it. This movie was in development for a long time. I think that they announced, first started announcing it around the time of Moana's release, because that's when they wow. announced that Lynn was involved in the, so that was 2016, yeah. was when they first started saying like, oh, this is going to be one of our anime, you know, live action um, animated, you know, mm-hmm. animated to, to live action remakes. And I just... I understand why they make them because they make money, but I just wish that they would. I wish someone would stop them. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, or at least that they would channel their like creative energy that they can put into like a Pixar movie that's like a wholly original idea, mm-hmm. and just be be like, how do we rethink this entirely for a modern audience, and keep some of the things that are. Like, obviously, you want the songs in there, at least the five songs that are in the animated movie that everybody knows. You know, if you're going to keep that and have that be your structure, how can you mess with the rest of it? I mean, it even looks the same. Her, her, you know, her her swimsuit, you know, top has the purple color and the crab is still red. And it's just like everything is just like it's the same thing. Except for Flounder. We've seen it before. (laughs) Except for Flounder. (laughs) So, I mean, 
obviously people they spent 250 million on it people worked hard on it i do think on paper it's it's a tremendous cast and you would hope for the best and i think it was probably like a solid b minus bordering on a c plus as far as like what i thought of the movie overall all right ernesto what about you um yeah, it was made for kids. Like it just, I just, I, I, I spent a lot of the time like just clock watching. Like, ah, oh, is this gonna be over yet? Just because it was so <laughs> long. Just because, of, just because of how long it actually was. Um, Haley Bailey was incredible. I mean, that's that was my main takeaway. Um, and I didn't really like the ending, but it's not for the whole reason that everybody thinks. Like, you know, the whole damsel in distress thing. I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think you taking away that element from Prince Eric, you're taking away the thing that redeems him to her father, which is like what he needs to do as a man. He needs to redeem himself to, to Ariel's father to make him seem fit. And like, he doesn't, he doesn't get to have that moment, but Mm -hmm. he, but then, but then at the same time, Triton just accepts him. And then they're like, all right, but there's nothing, there's not there. There's no reason for him to accept him. He's just like, all right, they're good. It's fine. Enjoy the sea. (laughs) Peace out. (laughs) And, I, and, was, and that was pretty much it. Like, and I just, I just wanted, like, for me to have really enjoyed it and to really praise it, I just would have wanted something different. They had, they had, the bones of something great. You know, they had a lot, they had a lot to work with, and they left a lot on the table. And they had mm-hmm. an amazing cast that was already lined up, ready to go. I just, it just wasn't there. I just, I, I expect, I just wanted more. And I guess that's the problem is that I hadn't. The problem is is that I had an expectation. Maybe and, so, and that's what it is. Never, never have expectations. Yeah, and that's yeah, really no, what right? it was. That's I saw Lin Manuel, so I had I went in with certain expectations because like Moana's a a great animated movie. I fucking love yeah. the music for Moana, but this just wasn't it. Which well, ties it, in perfectly it, to this conversation because they're going to remake it now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, which is a whole other debate, which is a whole other thing because it doesn't. It's not even ten years old. Like no. why? We're still enjoying the original, the original one. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's crazy because The Rock already announced his involvement, and the original actress um, said when the announcement was announced, the original actress was going to be uh, re- reprising her role as the live action Moana, and then she came out and said, "I'm not doing that anymore." She's like, too old she, though, because Moana's yeah. supposed to be like 16 or something. She's yeah. like a teenager. Yeah, she said I'm like I'm on my she's I think she's like 22 or 23 right now and she came at, she posted a video saying that um hey just announcing that I'm not going to be reprising the role. I'm going to leave it to another young actress to take up the, that mantle. And I think that was honorable, you know? Well, it's like hey, the same for me. Um yeah. Well, the Rock's production schedule has just opened up cuz yeah, I know, right? Like, ever since they he got <laughs> dropped out of the DC universe, he's yeah. he's like I'm coming back to the Fast family. Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, how you doing? <laughs> Disney! It is, it is true, though. Look, ever since he got dropped from DC with this whole change in James Gunn, like, literally everything. Like, we've, we've got the Fast X, and now we got this. And, like, it's just, for him, it's just one thing after another. Now we're on yeah. Red Note. He's already working on Red Notice 2. Notice 2, <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. crazy because by, by the time the, the 10th anniversary of Moana is out, this movie is going to be... Because uh, because it, it came out in 2016, so by the time that comes about, it's going to be you know the tenth an- the tenth anniversary. This live action version is going to come in, which is like I agree with you. It's way too soon, way too soon. But at least with the Little Mermaid, um, I I actually 
I'm I'm leaning toward like that B minus angle to it. I thought it was enjoyable. They gave me a little bit more new than I thought I was expecting, so I give them credit there. Um, and compared to the other ones, I I think it's up there. It's not a high bar to hit. I'll I'll give you that. It's it's really not a high bar to 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 get there. Um, but I thought some of the music choices were great. I, again, Hal, uh, Haley Bailey and and Melissa McCarthy and David Diggs, they all brought it. They gave their own take on it, which really worked. Um, and so I enjoyed what I ha- what I saw in the theater. But ultimately, it was just fine. It's it's kind of what you expect on these Disney remakes now. I do wish it was more different and almost justified. But with the little newness that I got from this, I'm like, okay, I can see the justification on some scenes, but not a whole film around it. And some of the justifications didn't land. Like, I didn't think the Eric song or the scuttlebutt really worked. But, you know, you made choices, so I'm okay with it. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, I kind of leave it at that B-. minus. I would say that if I was going to go back and watch these live-action movies again, I would probably pick Aladdin first, because I still think it's the best one out of all of them. And then I guess, you know, out of omission, The Little Mermaid would be my second choice. Mm. In, in that, I, I can't think of anything else that I would watch again you know mm. uh so that that's that's just me so i i think i'm i feel like i'm like a little bit in between where brian is and where ernesto's or maybe i'm above brian i really don't know i, I, I feel I, like you're above you're brian. above brian yeah i think i am yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah kind of brian's in that middle ground there i but i i thought it was fine i think a, a little more than fine i guess is where i'm where i'm at on it it, it was it wasn't a bad time in the theater I, i'll give it that way i wasn't i wasn't like you ernesto i wasn't looking at my watch i was entertained for the most of the movie i would say you know sometimes you get that communal experience like true there was, in the theater the theater was packed and like nobody was like dancing the songs like mm-hmm. you didn't hear any humming there wasn't there was none of that there was yeah. like maybe one or two times when the entire theater maybe chuckled <laughs> <laughs> and that was it and everybody it was over it was like yeah. all right and everybody just walked out <laughs> yeah Nice. I if for some reason I was expecting like a clap after part of your world and silence, uh, but my, I, I saw it on a Tuesday night packed house, yeah, packed house on a Tuesday night. So people were definitely coming in hot. Um, but anyway, there you go. That's our spoiler review on the live action version of The Little Mermaid. Uh, just quickly, right before we wrap up, the next Disney live action movie that's coming out is Snow White, releasing March twenty second, twenty twenty four. Um, is going to be uh, the um, the the people who wrote La La Land and The Greatest Showman and Dear Evan Hansen. They're going to be writing all brand new music for Snow White. So see that's in, see that to be that's that, that's interesting. That is, that's intriguing. <laughs> um, after that, you have uh, the live action Lilo and Stitch in May 10th of 2024. Not excited. Uh, we'll see. I need a trailer. Um, what what does have me excited is the director. The director yes. is the same person from. Uh, uh, Marcel Lachelle with shoes on. His shoes on, yes. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Uh, he's the only thing that's that's I'm really interested about that movie. Um, and then following that, you have Mufasa's The Lion King, which is supposed to be a prequel to The Lion King, directed by John Favreau. Uh, and then you have uh, the live action Moana, which is in development that we talked about. They're working on Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, they just uh, got Questlove. Hercules is also in development. Hercules and Guy Ritchie is doing Hercules, which Guy yes. Ritchie did the live action Aladdin. Mm. Which to me, I'm excited for that. Also, uh, um, the Russo brothers are producing Hercules as well. 
So that's something to be interested about. Um, Questlove just got attached to direct a live-action Aristocats movie, mm, which right. is um, uh, going to be a hybrid as well. Uh, we talked about Hercules. Aquella 2 is in development. A uh, Sword in the Stone apparently is in development. So the and, <laughs> Yeah, and they're working on a Jungle Book 2. That's also in development. And Bambi, for some reason, is also in development as well. So, And, and also Aladdin 2. So if you think these movies are going away anytime soon, Brand, Brian, to your point, they're not. No, <laughs> no not at all. Keep- that list that you just stated is... I, I find it just so exhausting. <laughs> like, could you imagine... Could you imagine... If they put their time and energy and money into giving us something new, like a new yeah. musical, yes. like a new, I mean, obviously, you know, we have Wish coming and Pixar is still cranking them out, and they're they're usually, you know, pretty quality films, especially from a creative standpoint and an original standpoint. Um, I don't. It's just it's frustrating. But I mean, I could talk about it ad nauseum yeah. forever because it's just like. <laughs> You know, it, it's not just the Disney thing. It's it's everything. I mean, yeah, we have yeah. another Indiana Jones movie, which I'm super hyped for. But that's mm-hmm. 15 years after the last Indiana Jones movie, which was <laughs> 30 years after the last one. <laughs> so it's just like nothing ever really dies. And I get it because they want people to watch and to tune in and they want people to hold on to things that they already know rather than trying to sell them on a new concept. I get it. But it's also just, like, exhausting as a moviegoer to, like, look at this and just be like, where is the stuff that I can actually get super hyped for? That I'm like, oh, that sounds good. This actor with this director with this idea. Never heard of that. Sounds cool. Yeah, um, It's yeah. just, like, that stuff is just mm-hmm. fewer and far between. Like, it's just, it's it's tough. It's hard. And the, the, the little original content that Disney is putting out is on Disney+. Plus. Yep. And that, that no one's getting, that no one's even noticing about. Like, no one's looking at that stuff. They're all, the headlines go to the live action remake of whatever. Um, but that's just the world we live in now after the Jungle Book made a billion dollars. And I was like, oh, people like this? Okay, we'll just do more and more and more and more and more. Um, but you know what? Yeah. We're still going to talk about them. <laughs> Here we are, and here I mean, we are. You got to engage. You got to engage with the culture. I mean, Marvel exactly. is that was at the center of the culture. It's sort of maybe falling off. True. And you know, I I realize now, just my final thought. I realize now that my enjoyment of those movies for so long had a lot to do with the people that were in them and the actors that I enjoyed watching. Because now I don't care about any of it. Mm. So mm. have you seen Guardians though? I, yeah. I haven't. I do want to, because I do like the first two a lot. Um, yeah. I haven't gotten to see it yet. I'm probably, and honestly, as much as it pains me to say, going to end up waiting until it like shows up on Disney+. Plus and I'll find yeah, it it's worth it. It was um, incredible. I'm excited, because it, it does look good, and I, I do think that's kind of a holdover from the era of Marvel, when Marvel was still yeah. kind of firing on all cylinders. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Kind of still yeah. creatively interesting, but um, yeah, I, it's tough, man. It's brutal out there I, I haven't listened to y'all's i listened to the guardians uh review but i don't know where you guys are at with marvel but i'm i'm pretty much like one like my heel is like still in the door but like yeah. the rest of me is like out like i'm out and then i you was know? on board with jonathan majors and then he's got this whole this whole assault charge pending and it's like yeah oh, what the fuck are you doing just be yeah, king take your money <laughs> I, I i still feel like i got a foot in the door but 
after some movies is like maybe I'm just gonna not invest as like heavily as I want into it, but I'm still in, I'm still in it. Yeah. For now. I'm, I'm a casual viewer. Now. I'm a casual yeah. viewer. Honestly, honestly, the Secret Invasion trailer sucked me back in. Yeah, it looks great. So, yeah. I'm excited for that. It looks really cool. It actually, bringing back Samuel L. Jackson, it looks super cool. Olivia Coleman's in it. Like, mm-hmm. a lot going for it on paper, but on paper. you know how that yes. always goes. Mm-hmm. Expectations, exactly. Ernesto. Can't, Expecta- have many- <laughs> can't have too many expectations. That, that's take the, it for that's, what it is. That's the killer right there, expectations. But, Brian, this was a pleasure. Thank you yeah. very much for joining us. Coming back on for a three-year hiatus. We're glad to have you back on. <laughs> Hopefully we can have you back on more often. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you guys very much for having me. No, we, uh, Ernesto, tell our lovely listeners what they can look forward to next week. We are going across the Spider-Verse. We are going to be reviewing across the new movie, Across the Spider-Verse. Um, I'm really excited. Spider-Verse is one of my favorite storylines from the from Marvel in general. Um, the first movie was obviously uh, amazing. Fantastic. fantastic. Like, um, so, and it was an Oscar-winning film. So let's yes. see, let's see if they can recreate that magic. Um, early reviews are great, uh, are looking really good. I try to, av- I'm trying to avoid them, not mm-hmm. really look at them. But uh, you know, sometimes in those number when you're scrolling, those numbers just yeah. pop up on their title cards. Like, damn it! Now I know what you thought. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I have so high that- hopes. I have high hopes. Shamik Moore. Uh, as long as we get the same feels as the first one, I have, I have no worries. Yeah, uh, same here. I'm hearing nothing but great things about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and so I look forward to watching the theater and hopefully it lives up to the hype of the first one, which, again, we're back to expectations, but we can't help it sometimes, Brian. (laughs) It is what it is. Um, But if you want more from us, you can always find us on our social media channels on Instagram at BoxOffice underscore Bingers, on Facebook at BoxOfficeBingers, on TikTok at BoxOfficeBingers, and our Twitter page at BoxOfficeBinger without the S. Brian, thank you again for joining us this week. We hope we can have you back on for more episodes in the future um thank you for our listeners each and every week for coming back and listening to us just talk about movies really appreciate it come back for next week for more movie fun and for that i've been your host matt diaz Ernesto santos see ya